Trade Talk Live, exploring human, digital, and social transformations. Welcome everyone to Straight Talk Live. And my name is Rick Snyder. I'm one of the co-hosts of our fabulous show. It is a nonprofit project that started in the whole COVID era where um, Off and I, who I'm about to introduce in a second, we're just not really satisfied with the conversations that are happening in the world, in the media cycles, and how we were just feeling on a deep level. There's so many more important things we need to be talking about as a society and coming together with diversity of opinion and views and just how obvious it is that a lot of the systems and infrastructures are broken and need to be reimagined. And so that was really the impetus of this show is to try to really kindle those conversations and cook them by the fire so that we can all digest something that's more nutritious and meaningful. And so I want to introduce, without further ado, my co-host, Af Mahotra. Af, welcome. Thank you, Rick. Excited to be on the show once again. Every Thursday, I so look forward to this, I have to tell you. And this show in particular, uh, I'm not going to steal Lisa's thunder, but, um, you know, I'm the co-founder of um, a company called Growth Enabler, a disruptive AI business that's transforming the way sourcing happens in the world today, and even more important now after this uh, COVID pandemic. And of course, it's a pleasure to have um, co-founded StraightTalk.Live with my friend Rick, and our show and living room conversation, or study conversation, starts today with Lisa Dion. So Rick, over to you to introduce Lisa, and then let's crack on and get into this. I can't wait. Yeah, this is really exciting for me. And you just reminded me, I forgot to talk about my background briefly, is um, I wrote a book called Decisive Intuition, and I'm the, uh, the CEO of Invisible Edge. And this is really where Off and I come together from two f- totally different vantage points of the digital transformation that he comes from and knows so well. And I come from more the human transformation. And we're both really passionate about social impact. And that's really the impetus of this whole show are those three pillars. So we're going to be getting very deep into that today with a very special guest. And her name is Lisa Dion. And uh, she is a fantastic um, therapist, neuroscientist, uh, best-selling author. She literally started her own branch of therapy. And this whole show is about mavericks and disruptors and new ideas. Imagine starting your own kind of therapy, your own paradigm. That takes some chutzpah masala. (laughs) (laughs) That takes some courageous spice, also translated as. That's not easy to do. And I I personally have known Lisa for over 20 years. We actually trained together in graduate school in psychology and other additional trainings. And I'll just say this one piece before I hand it over to you, Lisa. Lisa was always one of those people that I remember where I put my big toe in the water of like, should I jump in here? This looks a little intense. And she would already be swimming and say, yeah, come in here. Water's warm. Like, really? So I've just always appreciated that about you, Lisa, your courage to just dive into the unknown, dive into uncertainty. And in today's world around COVID and social unrest, I don't think I can remember a time in my life of any more uncertainty in the space. And so I want to really learn from you today about how you've been diving in, how you teach people to dive in and swim. So without further ado, Lisa Dion. (laughs) Thank you both so much for asking me to be a part of this pretty awesome conversation that, uh, that you're starting and that you're having. So super inspired to be here. So yes, let's just go ahead and dive in. (laughs) Yeah. So 
Um, let's start with this. So transformation, so we're really talking about the neuroscience and how that unlocks our transformation. Mm -hmm. And the more that we understand not just our mind, but also how our body works and the intelligence of our whole system. So let's start with a personal story. I know that you lead and teach uh, transformation all over the place with organizations and leaders and schools and parents and kids, mm -hmm. uh, which we'll be touching on all those themes today. Uh, so if you're any of those, this, is, this shows for you. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I want to ask you first is, can you tell us a story about a personal transformation that you had to overcome, that you had to see through, just so we can get a sense of how does this really look in real time with some of the work that you do? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll share the story that I shared with you, Rick, for your, for your book, when we were having conversation um, for your book, which was really the beginning of new awareness and insight for me that led me to really appreciate my body in a new way and to then want to understand it because I realized that there was something quite magical about the feedback I was getting. And it was actually that that then propelled me on my journey to creating synergetic play therapy and has really been my compass ever since. And it started with me as a pregnant mom. So I was 29 weeks pregnant and uh, my daughter and I and my husband at the time, uh, my unborn daughter, we were in a car accident. We were in a hit and run car accident. And, uh, and I went into labor at 29 weeks. Um, I did not deliver her then, but I was in labor for three days. And while I was um, in this experience in the hospital, I found myself over the couple of days, I'm gonna use the word subordinating. Subordinating to all the outside authorities, subordinating to the doctors and the nurses when everyone was telling me that my body needed. Yet inside there was, information and and there was this feeling that no i i need to move i need to stretch i i need to get in touch with myself and um to make the story uh you know shorter here um i i lost myself i lost myself and i think that is an a key piece when we start talking about what we're going to talk about in this call mm. we, we lose ourselves and we can't be a leader we can't be the maverick we can't engage ourselves in transformation when we lose ourselves. Mm. And, uh, and I hit a point in that journey where I got really angry, actually. And I actually decided to not listen to the doctors and the nurses. And I, and I got out of bed and, um, and I began to get in touch with, with my body. And when I did, this, this magical thing happened where I actually began to feel my relationship with my, with my daughter in, an, in a new way. Um, and I actually felt internally, it was like our nervous system started to sync up once I started to listen to my own intuition. Now, when this happened, I was at the point where they were going to give me one more dose of medication to try to stop the contractions or I was going to deliver. And what I found was that as I attuned to myself and Avery, my body started to follow suit. And it culminated in my contractions picking up um, on a particular morning and me closing my eyes and getting back in touch with myself, back in touch with this, the information. There really was a, a rhythm that was happening for me inside. Um, and uh, my nervous system, Avery's nervous system, I could feel it. We synced up and my, con my contraction stopped. And I went home and I went, what was that? <laughs> what just happened? What just happened? 
And that sent me on a journey. That's what led me into starting to study biology and nervous system states and neuroscience. And also when my, when my baby was born, she was highly what we'll call dysregulated. So she was born in a fight or flight response. And so there was this part of me that, that really intuitively knew that I need to do something to help her transform her own uh, nervous system and her own activation inside her body so that she can begin to, to rest and connect to herself in a new way. And that was the beginning of the whole journey for me um, of the creation of synergetic play therapy, how I now train parents, how I work with organizations and entrepreneurs, because I love to teach people about the feedback of the body so that we can sync up to ourselves faster and come home to ourselves faster, listen to our intuition more quickly, get on purpose, mm -hmm. go for it. Jump in the deep end faster, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> As she's been telling me the last 20 years. <laughs> That's beautiful. So really what I'm hearing in that summary here is the key is really when you can um, really sink into your own nervous system and learn, learn how to regulate yourself. And for those, can you just define that for people who might not know that expression? What do you mean by regulating yourself? Yeah. So how about we just jump into nervous system? How about yeah. we just we just go there and we we just cool. start talking about the building blocks. Fantastic. Let's do it. <laughs> Great. So we have um, an autonomic nervous system, and our autonomic nervous system has two branches. We have uh, the sympathetic branch, which is designed to rev us up to take a challenge on, and then we also have our parasympathetic branch, which is designed to slow us down. And one of the misunderstood parts about this parasympathetic branch is there's actually two activations. When we have a perception of a threat or a challenge that's too much, we can slow down to withdraw, to go into like a protective, immobilized, I need to protect myself kind of a response. But there's another aspect of the parasympathetic branch, and this is really the key. It's called the ventral vagus response. And this is the part of our nervous system that when we get access to it, it gives us access to the higher centers of our brain. So when we are in a reactionary place, when we are in a fight or flight response, which is the sympathetic state, or we're in the, it's actually called the dorsal parasympathetic response, which is where we're shutting down, we're withdrawing, looks depressed, start to get tired, start to numb out. Those are both reactions out of a perception of there's a challenge, I don't feel safe, um, I feel scared, they're protective responses. They're not higher level brain responses. We're not thinking rationally. We're not thinking clearly. We're responding. We're reacting. Actually, I wouldn't even say the word responding. We're reacting in those moments. And this is, when tie this into COVID, this is where a, a lot of us are, are these days, is that we're perceiving challenges or parents. You've got your kids at home. You're perceiving challenges. And the body's responding as it's designed to respond. What we have to learn how to do is in the midst of all that, how do we regulate? And what regulating means is ultimately, how do we access this other part of our nervous system? How do we access this ventral response that we have, which governs our ability to take a deep breath? Mm. It governs and actually has a very intimate relationship with our immune system. 
one of the fastest and best ways that you can strengthen your immune system is by accessing this particular part of our physiology. In fact, when we live in a heightened reactionary state, we actually suppress our immune system and we actually make ourselves more susceptible to getting sick. So this is really important for what we're talking about right now in, in the world at large. So when I say regulate, here's something that I think that might be really interesting uh, for our listeners is that people often confuse regulating with the word calm. And regulation does not mean calm. Regulation means connected. Mm -hmm. It means in the midst of my activation, I can connect to myself mm. in the midst of it. So practically speaking, I start to notice I feel anxious or overwhelmed and I notice it and I take a deep breath. I'm regulating, but I'm not calm. I'm still anxious. I'm still overwhelmed, but I'm connected to myself, which means I'm not losing myself. And that's, that's that key part. So what do I need to do to stay connected to myself in the midst of the activation instead of pretending to be calm, trying to act like I'm calm, which actually um, is not, it's not true and actually dysregulates us even more and actually dysregulates the people around us even more because we're incongruent. So I'm going to take a deep breath as I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So yeah. regulation means connected. Can I ask you a question? Firstly, Absolutely. thank you for the for that excellent explanation. It's um it's got me thinking about something that's mm -hmm. quite important here in terms of real life experiences. One question before I forget though. So let's go back to that example of you touched on a very, very salient point. So let's imagine a state, a real life state, where an individual is is anxious, panicking, um, not in panic state, but worried, concerned. Mm -hmm because of a situation. Situation could be a COVID-related situation, it could be a home situation, it could be a catastrophic situation that's out of their control, whatever. Someone could be really un unwell in the house, you know, real issues. Could be to do with money, you know, not being able to go back into work and not knowing how, to, how you're gonna pay for the bills at home and so on. So, and often people say, um, calm down, take it easy, take a deep breath, calm down. Uh, I get the deep breath I get because breathing is so good for you. And of course we don't breathe a lot when we're anxious, we stop breathing in fact. And many of us, this point around, uh, you talked about, you used the word not regulated or there was a better way you articulated it. So there are people who have this demeanor or this front fascia of trying to pretend that they're calm because yes. they think if I pretend I'm calm, then it's okay because people think I'm really cool. I'm a great leader because it doesn't fluster, it doesn't bother me, that sort of attitude. But what you're basically saying is that is that is not healthy. So can you just dig into that a little bit, maybe a few more examples of when that happens next in our lives, what should we be saying to ourselves? Sure, I'll explain even a little bit deeper. Um, incongruence in the environment, which is what you just described. Something doesn't match up. We're acting calm, but we're not actually feeling calm. Registers, because we walk through the world um, really looking at and picking up on all the nonverbal cues in our environment. 
And when someone isn't fully congruent, we know it, you know it, there's a strange feeling when you're talking to them and you're like, really, I don't, I don't really know about that. Um, it's actually one of the things that the brain looks for to determine if there's a threat in the environment. So actually, when we are not congruent emotionally, it can actually be registered in other people's brains as we are actually a threat. And that's really interesting. Parents, I hope you just heard what I said. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if I am a leader, um, so in my own business, for example, I'll give two, two examples. COVID hit. If I were to walk in and attempt to be all, you know, calm and this and that and whatever and pretend like I've got it all together, but inside what's actually happening is I'm scared, I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed, uh, you know, what's going to happen to the business? Okay, there's a lot of new pressures here to adapt and adjust and change, and I'm not naming it my staff actually can't fully settle. That's very different than me showing up as a leader and saying, okay, everyone, I'm nervous and we're gonna put a plan together. Okay, everyone, yes, this is stressful. I'm feeling it too, totally. Last night was a hard night's sleep and let's get to work. There's a difference because what it does is it gives permission for my staff and it gives permission for the people that are around me to also become real about what they're experiencing, which actually creates safety and trust and unity in the group. Now that's different. So notice I said, um, I named my experience, but I was a great word to use instead of calm is poised. That, that could be a replacement word. Um, yeah. I can be poised in my anxiety. I can be poised in my overwhelm. I can be poised in my, in my anger. Um, I don't have to pretend like I'm not having those, those feelings. That's different than me showing up in the office going, oh my gosh, everybody, everybody's stressed out. You know, that's different. Um, I really encourage people to really look at your own congruency and your own incongruency in your relationships, um, where you are a leader, uh, parents, because it is a, a, an important piece to the larger puzzle of if I'm going to transform something, if I'm going to lead something, um, authenticity wins. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. Ultimately, you, yeah. Would you say, I've, well, it's burning, so I've got to ask it. <laughs> there are three people on this call and we come from two different parts of the world, uh, at least in terms of geography. You've got um, yourself and Rick who come from the United States and there is a culture. There's a way of speaking. There's a way you communicate. There's a lot more usage of hands. Uh, it's, there's a lot of passion mostly when communication is going on in that part of the world, a lot of good energy. Um, I'm sitting in the United Kingdom which is all of those things. But of course we have a different way of communicating a more timid, calm, if you want to call, it, if it's the word calm, I don't poised. Yeah. Um, and emotions aren't, we almost, it's ingrained in us even from school, not to sort of um, show those emotions. Yeah. And it's almost become part of uh, a subculture or a, even in the politics that we, that exists here 
too much emotion is seen as a negative thing. Mm -hmm. And that's been really confusing for me because I'm passionate about where I live and I've grown up here and I'm equally passionate about the way people communicate in other parts of the world, including the United States. And uh, there's this misinterpretation, I think. I mean, this, this is a very important point because when you don't, authenticity and what it really means is speaking to yourself internally. And if I feel like speaking with the volume up a little bit, I'm not aggressive, I'm not assertive, but I want to get my point across. I feel really passionately about this point and I express myself with total authenticity, right? Um, and sometimes people have that passion, but they hold, hold themselves back and, um, and they, they struggle to come out of that shell even in high stress situations, they're almost, it's like the habit that gets, gets created. What would you say, and you know, you've traveled the world, you've meet all sorts of people and parents are a good example as are executives or leaders. Practice at home, the culture that you've picked up in your country, in your nation, whatever it may be, passionate or, or, or timid or calm or whatever it may be. It's hard to break out of that. And sometimes you forget what authentic means. Uh, I love the point. Yeah. yeah, I love the point that you're making. So um, I do, I travel the world and I, I teach all over the world uh, to many different cultures. And there is a difference culturally in how emotions are expressed. And I think what I want people to hear more is that even though emotions are expressed differently in every culture, everyone still feels. Everybody still has activation in their nervous system. Mm -hmm. And so it's about you discovering your own authenticity with that. So even in the United States, for example, I mean, yes, I live in the United States, but I'm Italian. Mm. Uh, so my expression is bigger <laughs> than, uh, than some people that I know in the United States. And I've been told, Lisa, you're very expressive. Mm. Yes, I am. I also, you know, I've, I've, got, a, I've got a fiery side to me. Um, but that's who I am. And for me to embrace that as my own authentic way of expressing, that may not be how somebody else embraces the expression and their authenticity. And so I actually think that it's important wherever someone lives, whatever culture they're in, that the question is, am I congruent with myself? How do I feel about how I express or don't? Does it feel congruent? Am I hiding? Am I shutting down? Am I shaming myself? Am I subordinating? Or is this genuinely me? Hmm. And I, everyone has to go on a journey to discover what that looks like for themselves. I, I want to jump on this really quick too, because I think what you're saying is so important that there is a cultural programming that we all have by birth based on the cultures that we've been grown up with before we had a chance to <laughs> really digest anything about that. It's so ingrained in who we are. And what if it's our responsibility now to look at what of that actually fits for me of that cultural programming? What doesn't? Mm -hmm. And do I have the courage to follow my own expression and es essence and discover, even be curious about what that is? Mm -hmm. And how do I want to express? Does that fit for me that everyone has a stiff upper lip when they're going through a tough time? Does that fit for me in my way of leading? So I just want to mention that point. I think it's really important to bring that curiosity for each of us. Lastly, what you're having me think about, Lisa, is also the responsibility of leaders to set a culture where people can discover their expression and can discover their essence and how to best communicate effectively 
I'm thinking about a big organization that I'm coaching right now where there are several different um, subgroups and ethnicities that are part of the culture and other countries and na nations that are part of this huge conglomerate. And what they've realized is everyone has some different values of what productivity means, what effectiveness means, what kind of communication style is actually appropriate and effective or sometimes abusive in the leadership expression. And so what they're realizing is it's the leader's job and the leadership team's job to keep everyone connected to, well, what's our culture? What's, what are our values? How do we reestablish that no matter where you're coming from or which nation you're calling in from every day from your job? How do we recontext our culture that's going to be in most alignment for who we are and what we're trying to do? Absolutely. I want to throw in another neuroscience piece just to mm. uh, go here. Um, so a, a thing that we can understand as leaders, and when I say leader, I'm talking about a parent because a parent's a leader. Uh, I'm talking about um, just your own role, maybe in your family system. I'm talking about if you run an organization, but wherever, wherever you find yourself in a position where you have the ability to lead. So we'll, we'll, we'll open it that way. When our nervous systems say hello to each other, because that's what's actually happening. So my nervous system activation that I just described, the, the, the fight or flight response or the, you know, the shutdown or even you know, as I access my own regulatory system, there's a quality, there's an energetic quality to that. And there's a, actually a vibration to that. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is, Rick, when you and I you know, say hello as an example, my nervous system is, is saying hello to your nervous system. And your nervous system actually says hello back to my nervous system. In fact, the three of our nervous systems right now, we're, we're saying hello. We're trying to find our, our almost like collective resonance right now, even as we're having a, as a, as a discussion. Um, right now, culturally and in the world, there is a collective nervous system hello that's happening. The, the resonance of it is one of anxiety. It's one of fear and we feel it and there's like a ripple effect, but it's our nervous system saying hello to each other. Mm -hmm. So where I'm going with this is that part of our job as a, as a leader is to recognize our responsibility with that. Mm -hmm. If I'm walking into a room or if I'm communicating with someone and I understand that people are going to be saying hello to my nervous system, that's a different kind of responsibility because mm -hmm. I have the potential of setting the rhythm for how things are going to go. I call this becoming the external regulator. So if, for example, I walk into a group or a room of highly anxious people and I walk in and I don't connect to myself in that, and my nervous system gets caught in the anxiety, there's no leader. There's no nervous system leader, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But if I walk in and I'm gonna feel the anxiety, whether I like it or not, but I recognize it and then I come back to myself and I hold on to myself in it, all of a sudden, everybody else in the room has something that they also get to grab hold of they actually get to borrow now my nervous system. Mm. They get to borrow the regulatory capacity that I have. They can borrow the poised part of me. They can borrow my breath. 
They can borrow my, um, my, my movement if I'm, you know, moving. Um, they can borrow my whatever it is that they need to borrow. But unless I am able to connect to myself, there's nothing for someone else to borrow. So when I walk into my team meetings right now, when there's a lot of stress, this is one of the things I have in the back of my mind. As the leader of my company, I am the primary external regulator. And how I show up actually sets the stage for permission for other people to either connect to themselves or not. Same thing in my home with my, with my daughter. If my daughter is having a hard time, can I remember that she's also borrowing my nervous system? And by the way, let me, I'll just share a story just to humanize this. Cause as I'm talking about this, I don't want to set an unrealistic expectation for us because we're still human, which means sometimes we are not going to be the external regulator because we're just caught in our own stuff. So just to normalize this two weeks ago, I was having a morning where I was experiencing a, a lot of overwhelm. And my pattern when I get overwhelmed is I start moving more quickly. I start moving more quickly. My, my, my voice gets a little bit, a little bit pushier. It's a little edgier. It's a little, oh, you know, this kind of a thing. And, um, and I sat down to have breakfast. My daughter, who's 14, she sat down and she looked at me and she said, mom, I'm feeling your overwhelm. <laughs> and I looked at her and she said, breathe. <laughs> this is my 14 year old, <laughs> but I've also communicated with her and taught her this. Mm. So she understands this, the, the relationship that we have with our own, with our own nervous systems. So she became my external regulator in that mm -hmm. moment, mm -hmm. but her nervous system, she was starting to spin out because my nervous system was going, blah, 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 right. And she was picking up on it and for her to be able to name it. So I'm just putting it out there that we're human. And even in the best of our intention, we're gonna have other people, and sometimes it's our kids, that are gonna become our external regulators. <laughs> I love this point that you're busting the myth that there's a fantasy that we're always in our center and a leader has to fake it till they make it. I love that you're putting holes through all these you know, bullshit images and projections we have, because it's so important that we have to be, you're, you're actually encouraging us to be more human. Mm -hmm. Get even more related to your humanity, to your fears, your anxieties, feel them and learn how to not get overwhelmed by them. And what do you need to do to regulate that for yourself? And we'll get more into that in a moment. Then also to be that present antenna of mm. that. You're like a really, you're an antenna of that emotional intelligence, embodied intelligence, intuition for those around you as well and, and each other. And I just keep seeing this image of all these human antennas pairing and syncing up or dysregulating with static and fear and the media is not helping. Let's just call that out right now. <laughs> the media doesn't help our antennas regulate by any sense. So we have to be double down strong on how do we go come back to center, especially in these times of chaos. Well, and in the United States in particular, what I see, cause I can only speak for the United States is I see people looking around for an external regulator. They're, mm. they're looking around going, where's where's the nervous system in a sense that i can plug yeah. into to help me find my center i don't i don't know where my external where's the external regulator 
And when what's being offered is something that's also, I love the, the static, mm-hmm. is, is staticky, we don't know where to go. We, like we don't know where to go mm-hmm. within ourselves. So yes, so can we become that in our communities? Yeah. And can we become that in our families and our relationships? Can we make that decision? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lisa, what do you think about body language? And um, you know, for those of us who believe in, uh, you, you have these, you have these motivators on the planet today. You know, like whether it's the Tony Robbins School of Motivation and Mindset, walking on coal, and many others that are out there, and they're all they're all doing their part, and they're doing good work for the communities that support them, and that's great. Anything that helps you get out of a rut or makes you feel more regulated, right? What are your thoughts on? I just want to make sure that the audience understands the difference. So, what are your thoughts on? physical movement body related shifts and high fives and yeah come on and moving your arms around and getting the energy going is that the same thing as being regulated and um are they interconnected or are, you, are we talking about two different things because what i'm thinking about here is someone's listening to this thinking right what i'm going to do is i need to be more energetic guys i'm going to get up start running around running the park come back hi high five high five i'm i'm ready now i'm regulated Uh, please help us understand is there a difference or is it the same thing so it completely depends but the way i heard you just describe it that sounds more manic than than regulated (laughs) 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 Um, the voice of sanity i like this (laughs) um if we keep in mind the definition of regulated simply means connected so can i be excited and regulated yes can i be excited and dysregulated yes can I be, can I have low energy and be regulated? Yes. Can I have low energy and be dysregulated? Yes. So it goes back to the experience of connection. So do you want me to, should I ju- this is a great time just to jump in and talk a little bit about the body and what we can do to actually regulate. Yeah, let's, that, that sounds perfect. I think people out here are chomping at the bit of how could I regulate myself? Yeah. How do I get what more connected? Like? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. So um, the, the greatest tool that we have, so we'll start here and then I'll, I'll fill the toolbox with all kinds of interesting things. The greatest tool we have is our breath. Our breath truly is the fastest way home. When we get dysregulated, our breathing patterns naturally change. So when we go into a sympathetic fight or flight response, we develop what's called shallow breathing. And shallow breathing is where we have a long inhalation and we don't let it all go. So it's almost like panic breathing. It's a stress breathing response. um, And and we don't have a full extended exhalation. So that's how it goes in sympathetic. When we flip to the other side and we go into the, the dorsal collapse in a dysregulated way, it's actually the opposite. You're not actually bringing enough air in. You're actually letting too much air out. So one of the ways that we can grab hold of ourselves in any moment is to pause and simply become aware of our breathing pattern and then to provide the breathing pattern what it needs. So for example, mm-hmm. if I notice, maybe everyone can even try it. If I, if I notice that I am feeling stressed, overwhelmed, panicky, anxious, irritated, mad, frustrated, and I'm going sympathetic, how can I do things to elongate my exhalation? 
Maybe it's taking a deep breath and just, maybe it's sighing. Maybe it's, um, uh, you know, just actively just let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. So that's one way just to become aware of the breathing pattern itself. And then the flip side, if I'm feeling really down, really depressed, how can I actually bring more air in so that I can come back to center? So do I need to bring more air in? Do I need to let more air out? And that's something, if you're standing in the middle of a meeting and you start to feel the nervous systems talking, that's one that you can do right there really quickly, or you're at home and the kids are acting out, really a great way to grab hold of yourself. So breathing. The next one is movement. So, uh, and the movement can look like all kinds of different things. It can look like, um, you know, just becoming aware of your feet and just moving your feet back and forth. It can be just shifting positions in your chair. It can be stretching. It can be actually going on a walk. Um, it can be a little bit closer to home where we do what I call bringing in proprioceptive input into the body. So proprioceptive input. So right now I'm squeezing my arms, squeezing my joints. I'm squeezing my head. I'm squeezing my legs. And proprioceptive input is information to the joints and the bones in the body. And when we do this, we're literally telling ourselves, I am here, I am here. Because when we get dysregulated and we start to lose ourselves, we lose our sense of I'm here. So grabbing hold of yourself to bring you back into your body can be super, super helpful. I do a lot of, as many of us do now, a lot of my work is on the computer. I have a weighted blanket that I keep on my legs so that my body stays grounded in proprioceptive input mm. so that I stay connected to myself as I'm feeling whatever I'm feeling in the call. Mm. Mm. So things like this. Mm. Um, things like um, splashing cold water on the face, running your hands under cold water in the faucet. Cold water actually activates the ventral response that we're talking about. All these examples I just gave you activate the ventral response. Um, things like at the end of your shower, the very last minute of your shower, take the water and turn it on cool, the last minute of your shower. And, and it seems like all oh, these interesting little things, but they're all designed to actually help you regulate your nervous system to get, to get back to you. Um, rubbing the sides of your neck. Out of curiosity, how many of you, I mean, like both of you, like you've been overwhelmed and you've gone like, oh, like have you ever like just grabbed your neck? You're mm. actually grabbing. And when you grab the sides of your neck, this actually activates your, your, um, your vagus nerve because your vagus nerve actually uh, has, uh, we'll call it tentacles, tentacles that go up this way. Some people, when they're overwhelmed, they go, oh, and they do this to their head. They put their hand on their head. That activates your ventral response. So it's these little things that sometimes we don't think about, 
sipping cold water when we're, you know, when, when, when we, when we're getting overwhelmed, just sipping cold water, these little things help us come home. Mm. Wow. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. By the way, when you were describing what you were describing there, I don't know about Rick. I was definitely trying to breathe more. You probably know this, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you're talking about something that's so natural now you were, and I'm sure the audience was too, when you were saying, breathe in, breathe out, all the way in, all the way out. As you were speaking, I was thinking about my breathing. Mm-hmm. And that brings me to another interesting point, which is, this is there's a self-fulfilling prophecy, a good one here, in the sense that you're the company you keep. Mm-hmm. If you're hanging around with people, friends, family, children, as you put it, in your case, who remind you to breathe, something as simple as, hey, you know, when I'm caught up, just remind me to breathe again. Mm-hmm. It sounds so simple and obvious, right? Um, almost a little bit patronizing for some people. But of course, it's so important for us, especially with the collective, you know, mindset uh, that maybe maybe a little bit more anxiety driven today because of the situation we're in. We have to keep reminding each other, hey, Lisa, take a deep breath in and just breathe and I don't know, hold your head. <laughs> you know, press your neck or why don't you give me a massage? I'll be sure to get my wife to watch this if she's not watching it. Right? <laughs> By the way, hugging must be good too, no? Like- hugging activates the proprioceptive pressure. I was actually going to say, um, have, uh, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed, have your partner lie on top of you and like put heavy pressure on top of you or your kids, parents. If your child is really struggling and they're okay with touch, lie on top of them, mm. go hold them, squeeze them, you know, rub their arms, rub their legs, physically ground them back into their, back into their body. If they're, if they're open to that, some kids are like, mm-hmm. don't do that. Mm. The fastest way and the greatest um, thing we can do is to become that external regulator. And yes, sometimes it's reminding people, hey, maybe take a deep breath like my daughter did with me. And sometimes it's us just doing it, recognizing that their nervous system is gonna feel it when we do it. And the more I can sit there and take care of myself and they're watching me take care of myself, they're also learning through modeling. Mm -hmm. So we don't always have to even talk about it. Can we also just do it? Just do it. For me, Lisa, this is the very, this conversation is really hitting the whole point of embodied leadership. Mm-hmm. And we talk so much about embodied leadership, but for my experience, and I think off you'd probably agree too, the corporate world is still so far behind of what it actually means to be an embodied leader and why that's even important. Mm-hmm. And not just being stuck in our heads and our analysis, but not really being the adult in the room right. when we need to lead when we need to feel what we need to feel, whether it's our own nervousness in the morning, but we have to find the and. Like I'm nervous and we need to make a plan. Yes. You know, I'm freaking out and let's put our best thoughts together right now in this whiteboard session because we need yes. to figure this out. Yes. And I know we can. Yesterday, I'll share this. Um, yesterday, I had a, a really important meeting with um, my staff and many students regarding what's happening right now in our country. Um, with the um, with what's happening with black people mm-hmm. and with white privilege and it was an incredibly tender emotional hard conversation because my company 
we have white privilege in my, in, in my company and I'm a white woman and I'm a white woman leader. And, um, and there was one point as I'm poised while I'm crying as the leader, I let myself cry, but I cried in a poised way. And, um, there was a point when it felt started to feel too much. And I looked at the group and I said, can somebody regulate me? And as the leader, I asked somebody to become the leader mm. in a moment where I, so I could come back to myself so that then I could lead again. Mm. Because sometimes as leaders, we also think, well, we have to have it all together and we always have to be the one. Mm -hmm. And actually, in my opinion, true leadership is the person that's willing to share the leadership in moments when they know they can't lead. And I hit a moment when I couldn't lead mm -hmm. because the conversation was so emotional for me. Mm -hmm. And I asked someone, please regulate me. Mm -hmm. She did. She stepped in because she was more poised than I was in that moment, took it over for a little bit until I could step back in and continue the conversation. That's embodied leadership in my, in, in my opinion, and not being afraid to show up with tears and not to be afraid to show up dysregulated and emotional. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant. We, we, can, we can speak for hours, I think, because it's A, you're a fantastic um, communicator and you have such amazing experiences that I know many of our audience members, in, in fact, both Rick and I, uh, need to sit down and we need to have a coffee conversation or a, a glass of wine or whatever it may be. I always bring alcohol up for some reason. And just, <laughs> I'm not alcoholic at all. Yeah, that's, how, that's how you regulate. That's the, your, <laughs> the external <laughs> regulator. <laughs> um, so th there are a few questions. We're going to throw them at you because it's, it's important we get them answers yeah. and we can probably have a go at it, this together. The first question in reverse order is um, one from Facebook from Ninel. Um, who actually happens to be my wife, so she is listening. I mean, all yeah. Hey, so uh, two questions or two parts. The first one is, what can what can teaching professionals do to aid children with mm -hmm. what you're sharing? That's the first part of the question. Mm -hmm. And the connected part is, what are the non-touch methods with young children? I love this. Great. Um, so for teaching professionals. Um, and I'll answer this, whether you're having to do this through the computer, because that's many people's reality. And then I also know that there are some teachers that are back in the classrooms with, with children. So to recognize that as the teacher, you're the leader and you are the external regulator. And if you have 20 children, 10 children, however many, you're going to feel the dysregulation in their nervous system. Their nervous systems are going to say hello to your nervous system. The first thing is we have to be willing to feel it. I have to be willing to acknowledge it. I have to be willing to just, because I'm not going to regulate myself if, I, if, I'm not, if I'm dismissing that I'm even having an experience. So I have to, rec that's step one. I have to just be willing to be in it with them. The next piece is also to name it. Name it. Wow, everyone, this is hard. Or gosh, there's a lot of energy right now. Or is everyone falling asleep? or what you know whatever it may be or gosh everyone i'm i'm feeling nervous today i wonder if everyone else is feeling nervous today be willing to have a conversation and name it and then the next piece is is to to model or to bring in some type of breathing so with children children need to regulate often so when i go into schools 
what I'm looking at is how can we change the curriculum or the schedule in the school to that which incorporates proactive regulation throughout the day. So what that literally could look like is um, before I even start teaching something, I'm like, everybody up, everybody up. I want everyone stretching with me. As you're stretching, I want you to breathe. I want you to feel, okay, all right. And maybe 15 minutes later, okay, everyone, check in with your bodies. What do they need? Does it need to wiggle? Does it need to move? Does it need to? And you're, what you're doing is you're helping children attune over and over and over to their body's needs while they're, while they're learning, but you're also proactively forcing them to do something, which is different than sit at the computer, stare at a screen, and <laughs> let's get this activity done for the next yeah. hour, which yeah. none of us were built to do. Mm -hmm. um, with some children, I will say, please do not sit down. I actually want you mm -hmm. to put your computer down, and if you need to pace in the back of the room while I'm talking, I don't have an expectation of the child to sit still while they learn mm. because I recognize that the body for many children needs to move while they learn, mm. sit on a yoga ball. I don't care. Do jumping jacks while, you know, while I'm talking, whatever, whatever it may be. So the non-touch things can be very similar to what I just said. One of the things that my daughter um, and I do, we have dance parties. We have dance, you know, I'll notice that Avery's um, struggling or it's just been a hard day. And next thing you know, I am turning music on in the kitchen and, and it is dance party time in the kitchen. Or it's, let's go on a walk. Or it is, um, hey, like maybe we both just need to go take a shower, you know, just go mm -hmm. chill out, take a shower. Um, so we don't always have to touch. It can be, you can sing a song together. You can play a game together. You can, um, anything that you can think of to help them connect to themselves. If we can just keep that as the, as the thought, what do I need to do in this moment to help the kids connect? What do I need to do in this moment to help them connect? There's a great question that just came in that I think is interesting on the back of that. Um, Cameron asks, what are good ways to propose regulation or connection as we're talking about? Um, for people who are usually shut off from the idea of regulation, whether you have a boss or other family members or friends that are just not open to that, how do you deal, how do you do that in those kinds of contexts? What you do you recommend? It, and you don't expect them to do it. Mm. You do it and you model it. And then they look at you going, I wonder why you're doing better than the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> Will you lead this meeting next? Yeah. <laughs> you seem to have figured something out that I have not figured out yet. Yeah. So, so lead wherever you lead. are on the org chart, you have lead. an opportunity to lead. Lead. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love that. You yeah. might be regulating the boss. Very cool. <laughs> Another one that's really great is, um, do you have any advice or tips um, that you would give leaders to regulate at times when they lack clarity and certainty about an important decision to make? So is this um, on their own or is this like in a team meeting? It's not specified. Let's take okay. both really quick if we can. Okay. So on my own, I'm dysregulated, let's say, because I don't know, I feel confused, I feel afraid, whatever that may be. So one of the things I haven't said explicitly, but this can help, part of, if you think about all the ways that I have just asked you to regulate, 
they involve both sides of your body. So whether it's you're standing in the shower and the water's hitting both sides of your body, whether it's squeezing your arms and you're squeezing both sides of your arm, whether it's both sides of your neck, whether it's this, you know, your hand on your head, you're getting both sides of your body. When we make contact with both sides of our body, we're basically getting both hemispheres to talk. Mm. When we feel stuck inside, the hemispheres have stopped communicating. So one of the things that we can do is to take a walk, right? We're left, right, left, right. You're doing things that have bilateral movement because as you think about the question and you're getting, you're getting your body aligned again while you're, it's like jumper cables on a car when the car is all of a sudden stuck. Hmm. So you can actually create that movement within yourself. Um, another uh, one that not necessarily about the body, but also to take the time to look at the fears that are potentially keeping you stuck or that are in, so if I go this direction, what are the fears? If I go this direction, what are the fears? And mm. to really look at, well, what's the worst case scenario? And what would I need to do to handle worst case scenario? And what's the worst case scenario over here? And what would I need to do to handle this worst case scenario? And can I stay connected to myself in these worst case scenarios so that I can hold my center mm. knowing that I might make a decision here that feels really, really scary? But breathe, find your center, stay grounded in the midst of the uncertainty and the anxiety. It goes back to, I just want to add a point. You, you're talking about what we were taught in the corporate for years, um, the concept of scenario planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and the power, and, and you know, this is really interesting. I've come across people who sort of say, oh, forget about the future, forget about the scenarios, we'll just go with the flow. You know, live in the now, live in the present. And I get that, and I think that's fantastic. But I'm also a believer in what you've just said, which is about, uh, building response systems. You know, we, we recently, Rick and I were chatting with a, um, a, a suite of Navy SEALs who we're looking to bring on the show. And one thing, a particular individual who I will remain nameless for the purpose of, uh, of this show, uh, sort of said, look, you, you, at the end of the day in the military, you're taught to look at scenarios and analyze situations. You have to almost um, simulate yourself in those situations. Imagine you're in that extreme situation and by practicing to be in the situation on and on, your response system builds up, your emotions build up, your resilience builds up, your regulation, you, you, you self-regulate mm-hmm. by imagining you're in that system. It's not comfortable, of course, at that point, yeah. but when the real thing, God forbid, if it ever happens, your um, response system is ready. It's a little bit more trained than the next person. And that is key because mm-hmm. when we hit a stress response, the part of our brain, our prefrontal cortex, and the lower centers of our brain that respond um, when we feel afraid don't communicate. So if I haven't taken the time to pre-plan, I lose my ability to grab hold of what to do. My mind literally, I I freeze. I, I, I don't know what to do. But if I've spent time thinking out what worst case scenario would be, and what do I need to do to stay connected to myself when the stress hits, yes, I'm gonna feel the stress, but it's much easier to grab hold of the solution because I've already thought it through. Spot on, spot on. And this goes to the point, you know, for CEOs listening into this call now or on replays, and we have a whole bunch of C-suite executives, Lisa, coming onto the show as well from big companies. Um, this concept of discontinuities, right? Uh, disruptions, uh, irregularities that happen in a system where you're out of the linear mode into something that's unpredictable. 
a la pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. And it happen again, and there could be something worse that happens, God forbid, later. Uh, the big thing right now is for CEOs who are used to incrementality or um, keeping the lights on mentality. Hey, it's all cool. It ain't broke. Let's not try and fix anything. It's good. We're, we're good. And you know, they would now be called complacent CEOs. They're now looking at discontinuities in a big way to say, we have to get ready for the extreme situations. And I think that's what COVID has done. Mm -hmm. your, your examples today are extremely important because none of this success, none of this good work, even building straight talk.live has come out of uh, some level of regulation that we've created ourselves, both Rick and I, and we want to try and transmit that. I mean, what you're doing today and what we're doing today is a transmission. It's a frequency okay. that's going out to the listeners now exactly. or in the replays. Exactly. So, I mean, phenomenal. Uh, Rick, do you want to ask one more question? I and mean, we can go on for ages. But <laughs> you know, one more question. I think there are quite a few yeah. in particular that get, get your attention there. Yeah, let's, uh, one last uh, rapid fire here. Uh, Rahul Patel asks, how do we unlock that channel of communication to be able to pick up on all these nonverbal triggers? How do we do that? So I'm assuming, if I'm hearing this correctly, that the question is about how do we unlock the channels within ourselves? Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I think that's yes. how I'm. I'm yes. So um, I think this is actually a really important question, particularly if we have been um, trained to not pay attention to what's going on in our bodies, mm -hmm. or if we have disconnected from our body for whatever reason, maybe there was a trauma, maybe we um, had an injury, maybe we were sick, maybe mm -hmm. we have some sensory sensitivities, whatever it can be, because we can have experiences that occur in the body or messages about when we're in the body and we're feeling things that say, don't go there. It's too scary. It's too big. Where we, ha we learn to not live in our bodies. We learn to disconnect. And so what I will say is that it is a beautiful beginning of a journey back home, but it is a gentle unraveling. If we have been taught that it's not safe to be in the body for whatever reason, to expect ourselves to all of a sudden go, oh, and now I'm aware of, of my body and now I'm listening to my body. That's not how it works. There's a reason why we disconnected in the first place. Mm. Start with the breath. Start with questions like, do I notice anything in my body? What do I notice? Is there any mm -hmm. discomfort? Where is that discomfort? Begin to just heighten your awareness just little by little into the body even more. If you're finding yourself angry, how do I know that I'm angry? How do I know? I can hear that I'm angry, but how do I, how do I know I'm angry? What's actually happening in my body? Oh my gosh, oh, I can't feel anything, but I'm noticing that my hands are in a fist. Beautiful place to start. I'm crying. Well, how, how did I get here? How do I even know that I'm sad? What does that, what does that feel like? And it's just gentle inquiries mm. to help us begin to just wake up our, our system a little bit. And every time we do, we're saying it's okay to come home. 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 One of my favorite bits lastly around that piece right there is that first question, um, you know, what is it that I'm feeling? How do I first acknowledge whatever it is my experience is? And then number two, what's this in relationship to? What's my sadness in relationship with right now? Mm -hmm. Or if I'm extra tense, what is that actually in relationship with exactly? Mm -hmm. And that one question really helps me fine tune that connection, wherever the disconnect has been, it starts to 
lock back in and sync up. Yeah. And then I can start making sense of my experience in a deeper Beautiful. way. Beautiful. Lisa, you got, a, you got a huge compliment from Rahul after answering that question. He said, uh, Lisa, you're outstanding. Thank uh, you. Thank, thank you for your question. It was a really beautiful question. I'm sure, I'm sure many of our listeners feel the same. I think it's one of the most um, you know, exciting, interesting, and uh, profound sessions that we've run. Um, I'm going to do a plug in here. I really would love, I'm sure Rick feels the same. Love you to come back next session. I'd love to talk to you about trauma. Mm. Um, after this, after this thing's finished and it will, there's been a lot of sadness. A lot of people have lost people in their lives because of the pandemic and where the world is with rioting and looting. And there's going to be some sadness, a lot of sadness actually in 2020. We need to come back to this and we would love you to come back at some point if, if you would love to you have time. And yes, I would love to. That's an important conversation. Lisa, how can people find out about you? Where, where should they go? So for individuals that are curious about my work with children, so if you're a parent or a teacher, um, you can go to synergeticplaytherapy.com. If you're interested in what I do with adults or organizations, you can go to my personal website, which is lisa-dion.com. Fantastic. Um, I just want to say what an honor it is to have you on this call with us today. Um, for me, it's really everyone out there who really wanted to, who hears that term embodied leadership. Uh, this is what it's about. This conversation is what it means to be an embodied leader to really lead through your experience and affect change in your environment. Literally, whether wherever you sit on the org chart, it doesn't matter whether you're the C-level executive, you're a mid-manager, you're an entry-level employee, or you're not in an organization, you're with your family on a picnic and, and <laughs> stuff goes down. <laughs> this is what this is about. Or you're in the community right now and you're protesting. And how do you be that leader? How do you be the adult and regulate yourself first and connect? and then those around you. And that has a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. And that has a calmness or a poise that we don't see in our top leadership right now, which is why I think so many people are freaking out. Mm -hmm. So really, this, please watch the replay. Please send this to people who need to hear this message. This is a really critical episode. So, and lastly, next week, we're gonna be getting into systems thinking. How do we look on a bigger systemic level of where we lost the plot, how we find our way back home, how we need to relook and think at the connections we're not making in, in our complex world today with Darcy Winslow, who is an exceptional leader and the one who actually started the whole women's footwear, footwear and apparel at Nike after mm -hmm. meeting a lot of resistance and had to go through a lot of male-dominated barriers to push that forward into what it is today. So stay tuned next week. And again, thank you so much, Lisa Dion. Rick, uh, could you, are there a couple of people who dropped out. Could you just... Um... Uh, give them a sense of where they can find the replay. I think a lot of people would want to see the replay on. on yeah, the just go to straighttalk.live and type in your name and you'll, you'll get the replay for this episode or any future episodes. Um, and then, of course, if you're on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, you can, you'll see the live replay on that as well. Um, so please check it out, straighttalk.live. Thank you, Off. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Good night. Be well, everyone. Stay regulated. Stay connected. Thank you.